I am who I am today because of what I built. So the pros are the experience that you get with doing, I mean, I have legitimately closed over 1,200 transactions. So the knowledge that comes from that, we need to do what's best for the wholesaler because we believe in that longevity of business. And we know that, you know, over time, we're going to buy flips from them anyway. It just happened yesterday where we went and looked at a house and our buy number is like 90 and they have it for 99. Mm -hmm. We can probably wholesale it for like 110. Welcome to the Cashflow for Life podcast. We believe there are two types of people in this world. People that have greater cash flow coming in every single month or people who have cash flow going out. We believe you need to be the type of person that has cash flow coming in. And that is what this podcast is all about. Our mantra is simple. If you take care of real estate for the first five years, real estate will take care of you for the rest of your life. If you're looking to achieve financial freedom through real estate investing, you're in the right place. Andrew Holmes, a renowned expert in the field, is your guide on this journey. Andrew is the driving force behind National RE Invest, the largest real estate investors association in the United States. Together, we're here to help you build wealth and create more cash flow in your life. Let's get into the show. Hey guys, welcome to Cashflow for Life. Today we have a really, really fun guest. We've been looking forward to having him, and it happens to be Mr. Gonzalo himself, Gonzalo Corzo, from Jacksonville. So you're in for a treat because scaling up with wholesales, then doing flips, then building a rental portfolio. So Gonzalo, welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, man. Excited. Definitely, man. I'm super excited to have you because you're the one and only guy whose office I went to go see and I was blown away, right? I mean, the operation that you were running was just amazing. So let's pick up there. Thank you. And what was your start in real estate? And first of all, how old are you? I turned 28 in December. So I am now 28 years old. I got started because my older brother is a realtor slash investor. And as he got the real estate bug, he took me to an event when I was 18 years old. And he had been trying to preach real estate to me for a little bit. I was like, dude, I'm, you know, I'm in uh, high school and going into community college. Like, I don't care about any of that. And he was like, I'm going to take you to an event. That way you don't hear it from me. Two weeks after that event, I dropped out of college and got a internship at a wholesale company. I did that for about a year and a half. And that's really where I, I learned pretty much everything I know from that. Then I started my own company called Cash Geeks and the rest is history. So um, I met you when you were running Cash Geeks, yep. right? Which is about a year, year and a half ago, let's say. And um, so you go, you do an internship. Was this paid? Was this unpaid? Or was this kind of a quasi commission sort of thing? So it started out unpaid. Okay. And then um, because it was more of just, I'm an intern, let me do whatever. Right. And then that turned into a more structured role. And then that became paid. Okay. Yep. So you kind of scaled up uh, with your partner at the time, a pretty big wholesale operation. Where did you guys, I mean, you guys started with scratch, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Zero. What did you guys scale it up to? So we started in July of 2017. Okay. okay. And it was me, my business partner, $750 of worth of direct mail. Mm-hmm. And we got started. Luckily, the reason why I partnered up with, with my business partner at that time was he had a lot of business and scaling knowledge, not much wholesale knowledge, but I had all of the wholesale knowledge, no business experience, right? We partnered up when I was 20 turning 21. It's funny, our, our beginning meetings, I couldn't, I couldn't order a beer um, when we were talking shop. So, right. Um, but at our prime, we had 27 in-house employees in the office, which is the operation that you saw. Sure. And then overseas, we had about 40 VA call at a call center in Egypt. 
So we had about 40 of them. We closed back to back. Hold on, hold on. Before you move forward, I want you to explain this because this was a, I mean, this is just an awesome operation that you were running. So explain what the VAs were doing, then explain in the office. You had 27 people and you had people who would uh, would basically take the calls. Then you had kind of the uh, appointment setters. You had that whole process. What was that like? Yeah, absolutely. So our main form of marketing direct to seller was cold calling. Okay. So because of cold calling, we realized that if we're not doing live transfers, we're not able to get these people back on the phone. And so our model was focused on live transfers. So what that means is a VA, a virtual assistant would call a homeowner. We were in 11 different states, 14 Mm -hmm. different markets. Mm -hmm. And we would call homeowners. The virtual assistant asked three questions, okay? And that was, they had to confirm that it was the address and they were the owner. They had to confirm that they were looking to hear a cash offer. And they had to confirm that if they got a cash offer that worked out for them, that they would sell. That was the pre-call. Okay, got it. Yep. And these guys were where uh, were these guys at the time? Egypt. Okay, got it. Okay, and how did you happen to pick Egypt? So I actually, funny enough, I used to mentor these guys in wholesaling, and they saw that there was a need of finding virtual assistants. And so they created a completely different business on finding virtual assistants, and they found good pay with the mixture of good work ethic, with, with the mixture of culture. Right, you have to have those three things if you're going to to um, to have a successful virtual cold caller. Because keep in mind, when we're cold calling, these are technically our first impression, right? This is the first impression to the to the seller of our company, and so um, they figured that out, and and we loved them, and we turned off everything else that we had with other virtual assistant companies or direct with us. And we just completely started working with that company. Um, and it was awesome because it helped us scale also working with a third-party company because they, it was almost just like taking orders. We could just call and be like, hey, we need two more next week. And then next week, we'd have two more, right? So, so Two more was, seats basically filled. Correct. Yes. Got it. And so before you kind of switched to that, right? Obviously, it was an evolution to that. Yes. Um, how long did you guys do mailings before you decided this was much more effective for your style of doing business? Great question. We did mailings, I would say, for the first two years. The first two years, we did mailings. Cold calling for wholesaling was also not that big of a thing when we first got started, right? And then it was, you know, we were a little skeptical because it was already working. Direct mail was already working. And so the beautiful thing that I think that goes hand in hand with cold calling is what I've learned over time is your marketing channel affects your sales process. If you get an internet lead from a seller who is going online, that requires a different sales process than a cold call lead, right? And so we were, we sucked, to be honest, at like internet leads because we weren't, we were too scaled of a company to handle it the way that an internet lead needed to be handled. And so we realized that for operating in a virtual fashion, right? Our headquarters was in Jacksonville, but we were in 11 different states. If we started everything over the phone, it was easier to close and get everything done over the phone, right? And so we stuck to cold calling because we wanted to scale and grow. We realized with direct mail and internet leads, there was a lot more appointment setting, going to the house, all that. And that made it harder to scale and grow. Not saying it can't be done. We just picked a different uh, way of scaling. And so, okay. so we did mailers for about two years. Okay. And then we did some A-B testing, right? And slowly but surely, the leads and the deals that we were getting from cold calling weren't as sexy, to be honest, but it was a lot easier and the cost was was lower. And so when you optimized it, that optimized and scaled at a higher rate than exactly. the mailings. Okay, exactly. got it. Okay, perfect. So that leads me to a bunch of questions because you're doing uh, 11 states, 14 different markets. Number one, 
how would you pick the state? How would you pick the market? Because at the end of the day, who was your end buyer for all these properties? That's a good, great question. So what allowed us to scale and crush it for so long also is the reason why we fell. And so to answer your question, the reason why we were able to expand into all these markets is because we were primarily selling to hedge funds. We didn't start out that way, right? Um, but in 2020, in uh, when COVID happened, right, all these hedge funds got a ton of free money and wanted to buy single family homes. When inventory dropped, because anybody could go buy a house, these hedge funds could no longer buy because the capital now increased tremendously, financially, right? But the inventory went down. And so now what, what happened in 2020, which had never happened before, all these hedge funds now were forced to buy from wholesalers, which we wow. didn't have that before. And so because of that, we picked up on that. And because of the operation that we had and the volume that we were doing, hedge funds loved us. And so over time, we just started in Jacksonville. And then when they would send us their buy box, they would send us everything. And so we were just curious about their Jacksonville buy box. But then there was Atlanta, there was Phoenix, there was all these markets, right? And so we were like, hey, instead of trying to do more in Jacksonville, what if we just try cold calling in Orlando, Florida, right? We, we first started in the state. and so. That kind of allowed us to not have to figure out dispositions, right? True disposition, dispositions, right? Um, sure, because as long as you fit that kind of box that they were correct. in, they're going to buy because they have money to spend. Correct. It's very different. It's, than, yeah, yes. it's very different it's, than a regular client like you or uh, I that are buying yes. because we're going to be much more specific. But they're saying, hey, we got 30 million to drop in the Florida state market, in the Florida state. These are the things and buy, 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 buy. And everybody's Correct. making money because Correct. they're basically as long as you can put the deal in front of them, yes. they're buying and then rest is history. Basically. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Got it. And I mean, so and because a, of that. That's a very different operation. And a lot of people don't see that side of it Absolutely. You know, because they're in the game of basically managing money. Right. Yes. So the more they handle, because they operate on different margins that a regular local real estate investor can operate, you can never compete with them because they'll just outspend you. I mean, that's just Correct. it. Period. Right. Correct. So Correct. it's it's a different operation. Okay. Yes. And so that that's allowed perfect. us to scale grow very quickly. It was great while it lasted, but when it turned off, my business was dependent on it, and it it affected us. Right. And and so I wish it would have turned off quicker. I know that sounds weird, but when interest rates started to go up, because at, at this point now, we started off with just one hedge fund, right? In, in like 2019, there was one hedge fund that was buying from wholesalers, but they were buying through a realtor. So it was mm -hmm. like, hey, if, if we go through this realtor, he'll sell it to a hedge fund. There's still a realtor involved, so they feel good about it, right? Yeah. But we still had our, our you know normal mom and pop wholesaler. Sure. And then we got another fund. And then we got another fund. And then through that, we were like, hey, this is going really well. We're beating our head against these leads. Why don't we just call these really nice houses? All these hedge funds are buying them, paying top dollar. We're not getting as much discounts, but we're able to do more volume. And so we went down that path. Yeah. And so it's basically for, for the audience listening, guys, you know, and it, this sounds very sexy. And if you've seen his operation, like, oh, my God. But here's the nuance which he's talking about behind it is, imagine this. Imagine you have 100 people you can sell to, or you have two big whales, right? They don't give you any problems. Every time you produce something, boom, they buy, they buy, they buy. But guess what? Interest rate goes up, something happens on Wall Street, boom, those whales are gone. The yep. problem becomes is you basically are true trick, uh, true, <laughs> trick pony, and as it's great when it lasts, but the day it shuts off, now you don't have a buyer's pool and suddenly you have a massive payroll, right? Because yeah. you were not just doing people. I mean, you were doing 401ks. You were doing people are making oh, 100 grand, you know, working for you. So this is not this is a professional job, right? Oh, absolutely. This was not like, a, you know, a little podunk show. I mean, you go to his thing. It's like a sales floor. TVs, this, that. What kind of uh, numbers did you guys get up to uh, at your peak? At our peak, so we closed 4.2 million 
in gross um, in, in gross, in gross commission uh, in yep. gross revenue. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, that was our peak in twenty. And how many transactions was that? Three hundred and eight transactions. Three hundred and eight transactions. Okay. Yep. Got it. That was our okay. peak. So. If today somebody looks at it, right? I mean, obviously I met you at Kent's place and I was like, man, I got to come and check out this guy's operation, right? And I literally flew the airplane over from Punta Gorda over to your yep. place, a half an hour ride. And I was like, man, this is just amazing, right? I mean, clearly you guys had built something genuinely, um, you know, that put a smile on anybody's face that watches that operation at, at an early age. I mean, you're barely 28 now. So- for somebody that is looking from the outside, they're like, man, I want to be Gonzalo, right? Because what you guys accomplished is just awesome. I mean, there's no question about it because the amount, I can't imagine the amount of hard work. I mean, now you need a HR person. You need this whole operation when you got 40-some people, VAs uh, that are out of yep. the country, and then you got 27, 28 people in-house, right? What were the good parts, pros, and then what were the cons? Yeah, absolutely. The pros, I would say, was I am who I am today because of what I built. So wow. the pros are the experience that you get with doing. Now, I I mean, I have legitimately closed over 1,200 transactions. So the knowledge that comes from that and the just the just knowing real estate, right? Knowing a title issue, knowing how to put this fire out, knowing all that, like without seeing those 1200 transactions. I mean, I have knowledge of real estate that it would take people lifetime to get, right? No question, no question. And so that is like, that's what I treasure the most. Um, secondly, because of that, I know the Jacksonville market like the back of my hand. You give me a street, you give me a zip code, you give me a price point. I can already, I don't even know any, I don't even know anything about the house. Sure. Just tell me like, is it great condition, bad condition, medium condition? Give me bedroom bath count and zip code and street. And I can tell you right now if I can sell it for how much, if I'll flip it. You know what I mean? And so that is second. And if you would have told me in the beginning how valuable that would be, I wouldn't have done it. I would have been like, oh, all that work and stress and yeah. And, you know, don't get me wrong, like money was great, but it wasn't like we were grossing four million and we were netting four million. Right. right. And so if you would tell me all of what I would have gained from it, I probably wouldn't have done it because my mindset was, was just money and the yeah. money that I thought that I would have been making doing four million a year, 300 transactions was not what I expected to be making. Right. I was expecting right. to be making a lot more, but there was this always we need to do more. And this is the con of scaling is the one day we will make more money. One day it, it'll pay off. One day it'll pay off. But now that we have all these issues, the only way to solve the issues that we have is by spending more money. More money. All, yeah. the, all the additional surplus that we can now reap uh, the reward of, if we want to do more next year, then we need to keep that money in the business so that we have number one peace of mind of all the money right. that we're spending. Our employees have peace of mind, right? Even though they don't really care, but I fear more for my employees sometimes than they do, right? Than they do, absolutely, um, absolutely. And so, and then not only that is, now if we're scaling and growing a business, we can't, like in the beginning, it's it's easier to just like, I. so I, I read the um, the e-myth early on, right? So I look at the the entrepreneur, the manager, the technician, right? So in the beginning, you're hiring technicians. So that makes it a little bit easier because they don't cost as much. You're able to do deals to get to the next level. Now you have to start hiring managers and managers, management level, C-suite level. They don't really pay for themselves in the beginning. You know what I mean? It takes time for them to pay for themselves and they're expensive. So it's not like, hey, I can just hire this cheap VA who immediately is going to bring in leads tomorrow. Right. So no, now I have to hire a CFO who's going to cost me six figure salary this year. So immediately month one. Right. It's like 10 grand. 10 grand. And. Yeah. It takes me three, four months to figure out if this is the right guy or not, right? Yeah. And so with when you start hiring C-suite, it's great for the long term, but the rug got pulled from under us too quickly to see those rewards. Mm -hmm. And so that was the the that's the con, right? The con is you you kind of go back into this hamster wheel of working, right? And you almost lose sight of why you did it to begin right. with. Yeah. 
right? You know, I think a lot of times, uh, most of us came from middle-class families, right? And yeah. I see this all the time nowadays, especially it's like, oh my God, if 10 is good, then 30 has got to be better. If 30 is right. better, then 90 has got to be good, right? Yes. And it, yes. it's the, you know, it's the sen- syndrome of who can pee farther, right? Correct. And Correct. really when we boil okay. it down, life is not about how many, it's not like how many women you marry at the same time. If you get one good quality one, that's worth it go. Yes, right? absolutely. Because, I mean, the more, uh, because it comes with problems, expenses, and yep. people lose sight of why did I get in the business? I got in the business because at the end of the day, I want cash flow every single month. Doesn't matter right. if it's from flips, doesn't matter if it's wholesales, doesn't mm-hmm. matter if it's a rental or Airbnbs, right? Yeah. So there were a couple of things that, because this is something that I've been passionate about trying to convince people. People as, oh my God, man, grow this operation for wholesales. So if I made a statement that wholesaling can be very profitable, if you do it and you control the scale of it and you're involved, you can do it highly profitably. You start pushing the numbers, your expense ratio, both in terms of um, your ad, your admin, all the other stuff that goes with it, that doesn't scale. Like you would think it's not linear. The expense curve, right. you know, it just goes exponential. Would that be a correct statement? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? And 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 to be a highly effective wholesaler, you have to be able to think clear. You need to be, you need to understand opportunity when it's in front of you. You need to be able to drop thing like drop everything and go get this deal because that's where you make your money, right? As a wholesaler, as a, in a scaled operation, you can't do that. And so you're almost <clears throat> forced to not get the the deep deals, not yeah. get the good deals when they're in front of you. You have to like only work with sellers that will work with your system. Yeah. And so you don't get the true fruits of being a wholesaler. Yeah. So Gonzalo, we're talking about kind of scaling the wholesale operation. So if you looking at it from your perspective now, right? And obviously we'll get to the modification that you've done to your own business. If somebody is kind of out there doing wholesales or really wants to make a profitable wholesale operation, how would you look at it? Like, what are the metrics that they should be looking at? And what do you think is the optimum place where you can have good profitability versus the expense ratio there? That's a great question. So I would say really the metrics that that you should be looking at is one of the biggest ones is fallout rate. So from a house, if, if you get five deals under contract, how many houses actually sell from that? And the reason why I bring that one up is because we had, if, if you look at any wholesale operation that's super scaled, the, the drop-off rate is super high because yeah. we're taking a ton of shots. Yeah. And that sounds awesome. Yeah. But what that does is it creates so much noise, yeah. right? The workload of putting 10 houses under contract when we're only going to sell five, it's a lot of work to put those 10 houses under contract, right? And so I would say your drop-off rate in a efficient, maximized wholesale operation, right? So doing as mo- as much as you can while being the most efficient, you shouldn't be dropping off more than, I would say, uh, 30%, right? So if you get 10 deals, you should be able to sell seven of them, okay? Yeah. And Really should be better, but you still want to take shots. You still want to take chances and, and things are going to happen, right? And right. so I would say I would say 30% fall off rate is is acceptable. Anything over that, you're going into that scale territory where now you have to hire dispo people. You have to hire more people to close that gap. And now once you have a dispo person, you have to keep them busy. Yeah. And so now you run into this rabbit hole of, well, I got this dispo guy. Let me go lock up two more contracts, even though they don't always make the most sense as deals. He can shop them out, gives them something to do, and then we'll get some numbers back and then we'll renegotiate the deal and whatever, right? And so you run into this this loop of having to keep your team busy. Right. And when you do that, you make wrong decisions. You know, it's 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 a lot like um, uh, we were talking about kind of the scale thing. I mean, I hear in the multifamily world, I hear this all the time, right? Or... Um, I'll hear this with somebody. They're like, Andrew, I have 100 houses. Well, it depends where you have 100 houses. If you have 100 houses in the middle of Kansas City, which you can't even get to, right? I mean, a pile of shit 
is not better than a small pile of shit. A big pile of shit is just a bigger mess for you yes. to clean up, right? Correct. It's not the Correct. number of properties. You can have 10 good quality properties and you can make seven, 8,000, 9,000 a month in net cash flow, right? It's in fact, the leaner, the cleaner the operation because the more the moving pieces and parts, the more the problems that it creates. And a lot of times, but it's not sexy. It's very boring, right? right. <laughs> it's not something you're going to highlight. No. Like, no. So I was getting a lot of that also, right? Just yeah. being fully transparent. Like I was yeah. getting a lot of the wrong confirmation, sure. right? It was like, wow, like, dude, you're blowing up. Like, I want to like build my business like you. Can you coach me? Can you do that? And there was a little bit of that coaching income sure. where you're like, I kind of have to have a really yeah. badass operation. Absolutely. Even though it may not be making as much money as it could. Yeah, there's there's a lot of other things that make it sexy. That's sure. wrong. You no, know I mean, I mean it was man. It's listen. I walk into your office and I'm like, man, this is badass, yeah. right? I mean, you have to give it to somebody that's built that. I mean, that's something to be proud of because just the thing of being able to operate at that level, be able to pay that sort of salaries. But then again, it boils down to, hey, man, I could probably run an operation, do about five six hundred thousand in uh, gross. And take two fifty home, right? Yeah. Is that bad, right? Yeah. Rather than five million or eight million, and then you're like barely scraping by, and you have one bad month. I mean, Correct. that will ruin your whole six eight months down the road. And now you got the Absolutely. stress of all these people that are on payroll, right? I mean, you're like, holy shit! <laughs> and, you're, you're preaching to the choir, man. You're preaching to the choir, man. I went through I that, know. and I'm blessed that I got to experience that. Right. I'm blessed that I that I so, went through that. So talking about this before we kind of go to the next stage. Right. Um, because this is a question a lot of people are going to have. Because uh, where were you pulling your leads from? So we were mainly getting our leads from PropStream. OK. OK. And um, and what type of leads were you pulling? So our, our favorite leads are leads that have to sell, not okay. could or maybe they could want to sell. Right. So okay. who are leads that have to sell pre foreclosures, tax delinquent code violations. And so here it, it's different in every state. But here sure. we, we have the tax uh, deed auction. Also, mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. tax delinquent people who haven't paid their property taxes. But there's also people that are going up to tax auction. The tax auction right okay. now. Tax auction is my favorite list. Favorite. OK, currently. so for your operation, obviously. Right. I mean, because this is a. 40 VAs making calls six hours yep. a day, eight hours a day. What was the timing? Six to eight hours a day? Eight hours a day. Yeah. Eight hours a day. No, okay. Eight hours uh, a day, they work, but that one hour lunch break and two 15 minute breaks. So six and a half hours. Let's six say. and a half hours. Okay. So for that, how many leads were you pulling a month? And then how would well, you recycle them? So let me, let me actually, let me preface that. The list that I just gave you was not what we were calling. It was okay. inside of what we were calling. But okay. to your point, Mm -hmm. We got to the point where this is we you know we we have to dial yeah. fifty thousand more leads today, yeah. mm -hmm. and so we we got to the point where we we're just pulling everybody. Pulling Every, everything. Okay. If you owned a single family house under, we saw that the price point um, impacted the hedge funds offers, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're buying mm -hmm. off cap rates. Sure. And so anything over like three fifty four hundred thousand, their their offers got yeah. weaker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and then anything in bad areas, they would just say, we don't want yeah. median yeah. income or whatever. Yeah. And so we saw this sweet spot. And so anything under three, so that that's literally how we started to pull our list was 350 and under mm -hmm. 150 and above. Yeah. Single family so you're buying home. basically C plus B markets, basically. Exactly. Right? C plus exactly. B markets. Okay. That's yep. the, I mean, yep. that's the sweet spot for rentals anyways. Correct. Right. Correct. And so right. that is all we were pulling and we just didn't care about parameters anymore. Now it's just like, how do we get more lists? But you know, this goes back, yeah, but this goes back to the point he was talking about earlier, guys. And this is the nuance important to catch in this conversation that what happens is you could actually have a pretty hot list, let's just call it, if you were not doing as many calls. But when yes. you do a so many damn calls, you're doing 50,000 calls, you're, you have no choice because you would run out of people to call. 
So now you're calling hot, cold, and everybody in in between. And now suddenly what happens is your expense ratio goes all crazy. You're like, man, I was profitable when I was doing only this many calls, but shouldn't I be more profitable when I do this many? No, because the quality of the leads went down, right? And those nuances people a lot of times don't grasp. But I mean, that's such a that's such an intrinsic thing about understanding the nuances of the business, because and this is what I was saying, I think, when we got cut off, which is that there's a there's such a thing, which is in real estate, you have to be ready and you have to have the market present you a deal with calling and with all these things. What we're doing is we're forcing the market to yield the deal. And if you force it too much, your quantity will go up, but your quality will go down. Yes. Right. Absolutely is where the nuances are. And then some of the deals he was talking about with a deep well, like you have 100, 150, $200,000 equity in them. Because you're running such a big operation, you are forced to sell them rather than keep them in your portfolio because you're like, man, these are the good deals that we can really make a margin on. And I have a big nut to crack at the end of the month. 200, 300,000, I got to pay in terms of all the marketing costs, payroll, all that stuff. So I'm forced to sell. This is such a fun conversation that I've had yeah. with, uh, you know, Blake in our market, right? B- Blake, Blake right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think you yeah. know because he knows. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is a conversation we have. He's in mastery <laughs> and we have this conversation all the time. I'm like, Blake, dude, you got to keep it. He's like, man, Andrew, last month wasn't as good, right? I can just dump the property, make 70 grand right today. I'm like, no, man, you got to keep it. I don't care where you go, drive Uber, go do whatever. Yes. Right? And he's a successful guy. Right. But when you have 60, 80,000, you're dropping on a ad spend on TV budget or mailings or staff. Right. It becomes a big challenge. And most people don't understand that. So absolutely. And and I would say that it was kind of like what when I mentioned when like you forget why you got into it to begin with. Right. It's like, hey, I got into real estate because of passive income cash yeah, flow. 100 percent. And be retired by 25. That was 100%. why. Right. Because I got in when I was 19. So I was like, oh, man, if I just. Buy two rentals a year, right? And when you're 19, your monthly expenses are like 3,500 bucks, 3,000 bucks. You're like, man, by the time I'm 25, if I have, you know, if I just buy two houses a year, I'll be financially free at 26 years old. Yeah. And, you know, the funniest thing is, you know, I come to see you, right? And I'm like, oh my God, this is great. I'm so impressed by Gonzalo. I got to add some of what he's doing to what I'm doing. I spent 160 grand, right? In a matter of six months. I found 28 properties, sold one wholesale. The other, you kept the rest. So good. I was yeah. like, I kept all of them. Right? I'm like, yeah. oh, I was so like I'm not selling. I'm like, I just couldn't get myself to be. sell them. Right. But then the problem is, if you don't have that kind of a, um, you know, ash reserves. How do you operate that? Like if I had tried to do that for a year, two, three years, right? You're buying that many properties. You just run out of money. I don't care who it is. And I was liquid. I had five, six million liquid, but you just start running out of money because by the time you rehab them, you put them back online, you refinance them, they start making money. And that's that conundrum, which is the toughest conundrum people get into. Are you enjoying the show thus far? You know what they say. Knowledge is not power, but rather, it's the application of knowledge that is power. That's why we are excited to announce the new dates for our Build Your Empire 3-Day Conference and Property Tour. At this game-changing event, you'll discover how to build lasting wealth with real estate, learn step-by-step methods, avoid common mistakes, and get insights from dozens of real estate and financial experts. If you are listening to the podcast, you know that real estate is a team sport, and we're here to introduce you to the local pros who can help you every step of the way. This event is your opportunity to walk through active real estate deals in Chicago and nearby neighborhoods. And the best part is, you can either attend live or virtually. Go to andrewhomesevents.com and get your early bird tickets now. At the event, you'll see properties being transformed into flips, rentals, or wholesale properties, giving you a rare and valuable learning experience outside the classroom. Meet and learn from successful students who've profited from our mentorship. Hear their stories and struggles, and discover how you can follow in their footsteps, regardless of your background or experience. And so much more. We also have a VIP package that will give you access to our exclusive networking sessions and an opportunity to connect and meet with Andrew himself. Plus, we even give you a hot lunch all of the days you were there. 
For more information and to secure your spot, visit andrewhomesevents.com. We sell out every time, so don't miss this opportunity to transform your real estate career. We will see you at our next event. And now, back to the show. So now let's do the transition, right? Which is that uh, when did the tap kind of get turned off suddenly? So um, I would say May of 2022, we had our best month ever. We locked up 78 seller contracts. Wow. It was insane. Month of June, we had to cancel about 50% of them. And that's when we should have seen the writing on the wall. And we should have been like, okay, we need to figure something out. But instead, what we did was we pivoted as the hedge funds were pivoting because they didn't stop day one, right? They also weren't like, oh, we're going to have to stop buying. They said, hey, we're going to change our buy box a little bit. We're going to turn off our weaker markets, right? Um, We're going to increase the year built, right? So before we were buying 1950 and newer. Now let's go to 1965 and newer, right? And so we were like, okay, let's just change with them, right? That change with them lasted five months of nothing happening, right? And so every month we were just depleting cash. You know, the deals were closing. Luckily, luckily they didn't cancel anything that they had already pending under contract, which was awesome. What happened was there was nothing new coming in. Yeah. And while that new coming in, it was it was fool's gold, right? It was just like, hey, we're going to put a new buy box next week. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. We'll just wait till next week. Right. And then that happened for like four months. October, we were forced to make tough decisions. Right. Because the burn rate is so high. You got so many people. Right. And uh, this is what it is, is that people don't understand that when you have a burn rate of that, you got to keep feeding that beast. Right. Absolutely. Because, I mean, it's the bigger the operation, the more it's not just responsibility of people, guys. It's the amount of I mean, think about the bankroll. And if you just have two, three, four hundred thousand, half a million, but if you have payroll a month, right? If you have all these expenses a month that are going out, how many, how long can you sustain? I mean, most business, two, three, four months, you're gonna at some point run out of cash. Plain right. and simple. Even right. if you're liquid, you're gonna run out of cash because yeah. your burn rate <laughs> is just so high. And now you're losing sleep, right? Correct. Now you're like, oh shit. What the hell am I going to do? Absolutely. How do I go show face? I sold all these guys a dream and it was legit. It was not like, I mean, it was a legit right. thing. You're like, hey, man, we're going to build this. You guys are on our team. I mean, you guys had built a great sense of camaraderie, a sense of ownership, a sense of belonging, right? And now suddenly, now you got to go into business mode and say, hey, man. So what was that like in terms of you? Uh, did it take you kind of a week, two weeks, four weeks to say, Man, I mean, I've had enough. I just cannot pull this through. And then was your partner on the same page as you? So that was, um, these were interesting times, man, because it was the first time, like, we'd always been on the up and up. We had always seen eye to eye on everything, right? Everything was great. And then, so December of 2022, I had my first son. I had my first baby also. So I also had that kind of in the back of my mind, right? Of just Mm -hmm. like, wow, everything that I have now is not mine, is my kids, right? Mm -hmm. But it, it it took us, we were very hopeful, which, you know, it is what it is, right? Sure. But we were very hopeful. Sure. And in October, we realized we needed to start laying off people, right? And by the end of October, it, it came in waves. So we were like, okay, we need to start laying off people. Let's let go of the, you know, the the low-hanging fruit, the, the sure. bottom barrel, the new people that just came on, blah, 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 blah. And then a week later, we kept figuring out new expenses, new things, new, like everything was kept getting worse. I know that sounds weird, but it's like, it kept getting worse. Like this flip that we had that we were counting on, like, you know, putting an extra 50 K now that deal's falling through. And now we're scared because the retail market was also bad. Like, like this is at the same time of like, we're like, okay, well now we just need to pivot to our mom and pop investors. We would call our mom and pop investors. They're like, yo, we're not doing anything right now. We're like turned off. We're like, oh God, like is the world falling apart, right? And so end of October, we, so we had one wave of layoffs then a second wave of layoffs. The toughest was the third wave of layoff because by the time we did the second wave, we had to instill confidence on the people left that they're not next on the list. 
So it was very tough because from between the wave of of two and three, we had to have a talk with wave three and made them feel like nothing was going to happen, made them feel like we're all okay. You know what I mean? And that was the toughest part, man, was having these talks on like, you guys are all fine. And then three weeks later, I know I told you you guys were fine. And unfortunately, like we're we're having to close up shop. Right. And yeah, no, that's a tough that's a tough conversation, right? Um, Where you're like, you feel like a personal failure, I'm sure. You're like, oh my God, man, what did I do? What could I have done? I mean, because you're like, hey, this is your little baby, right? Uh, And you're like, oh my God. So not only, I think it's a big letdown in terms of letting people down and blah, blah, blah. Now second guessing every damn thing you've done. And then you're like, okay, what's next? Absolutely. And not only that, like, you also convince your wife, like building yeah. a business that big takes a lot of yeah. sacrifice yeah. in the household, right? Yeah. It takes a lot of, hey, business comes first for the next 10 years, yeah. right? Like Absolutely. we all have to be on board. If, if, we're, if I'm going to build yeah. something big, bigger than yeah. us, then you're not going to see me on weeknights. I'm going to be networking. I'm going to masterminds. I'm going to this. You know what I mean? Like our vacations yeah. turned into masterminds. Right. And so I just right. started taking my wife to the mastermind. We'd stay sure. a day later, hang out. That was right. our vacation. But really, I'm there for three days trying to learn and build connections. Right. Right. And so that was also a very hard thing. Right. It was just like, wow, I've, I've forced my wife and I to sacrifice a lot. And, you know, I'm, I'm not saying this is the right thoughts, but that's what you're thinking at that time. No, absolutely. I mean, right? absolutely, man. I mean, and it, you're just like, no, man, like the last 10 years, I told my yeah. wife, like, no, no dinner dates, no yeah. this, no that. We're not buying this. Everything's going in the company. Sure. And our, my employees are making way more money than I am. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, because you want to retain good people. Correct. Obviously. Yeah. Correct. I mean, uh, no, so, I mean, no question, uh, no yeah. question about it. So once you obviously at some point, you're like, man, this is what it is. I mean, there's just, yep. I mean, there's just really doesn't matter. Uh, reality is that there's just no more money to pay. Yes. I mean, that that is what it is. So. Did you and your partner uh, stay together? Did you guys decide, okay, no, we'll kind of go separate ways, build kind of different type of businesses? What happened um, yeah. on that side of it? So when once we let go of pretty much everybody, we kept our managers, right? So I had three managers, one sales manager who managed all the acquisitions, mm-hmm. another disposition manager who managed all of the dispo, the selling of the houses, all the hedge funds and all that. And then I had a transaction coordination manager but she really managed three other transaction coordinators. Transaction coordinators, yeah. Right? And mm-hmm. so we kept the managers. Okay. And it was tough, man, because they had like equity plans and all this, right? And so we had to have very serious talks with everyone with just those managers on, hey, you guys are the chosen three of who we're picking. Mm-hmm. And I'm coming out of my pocket to pay your guys' salaries. Mm-hmm. And I am doing that happily because now i don't have to pay 30 other salaries now i just have to pay these three salaries but now there's nobody for you to manage so now you're back you're you're back on 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 the straddle you're back closing deals you're back selling deals and you're managing transactions now which was okay but it just wasn't the same anymore you know and and i lost those people right like the company wasn't the same they weren't making the same amount of money over time, I lost those people. But to, to answer your question, when, when once we shrunk it down that small, first was like, let's stop the bleeding. Boom, we mm-hmm. shrunk it. Then it was like, what do we do? It wasn't yeah. like, let's figure out what to do, then shrink it, then whatever. Yeah. Right? It was like, let's stop the bleeding. Then we yeah. then we had to figure out what to do. Yeah. No, so, I mean, it's like a trauma thing, right? You got to save the patient first. Correct. You stop the bleeding first before correct. you're going to think, okay, they, can they walk or not? It's like, no, exactly. no, first, let's, exactly. you know, you got to stop that. So yep. today, if we look at your business, right, yep. um, what does that look like today? So right now, what my business looks like is I have three staff members, mm-hmm. okay? Um, one is a disposition manager. Mm-hmm. He has a support admin. Mm-hmm. And then I have kind of like a transaction slash office manager because now I'm doing a bunch of flips and that flip doesn't, the flips don't really require staff, okay. which yeah. is why I'm now flipping 
because now I no longer care about the sexy deal volume, high volume. Let's do it. Let's do a thousand deals this year. Let's blow this up. Now I'm kind of like, I just want the Navy SEALs, Mm -hmm. right? Who are my best people. How can we maximize the most? And I've changed their pay structure to not incentivize volume, right? Now it's, now it's not a matter of like, how many deals did we do? It's like, how much money came in? Right. So it's quality versus quantity. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. That makes, that makes perfect sense. And as far as your acquisitions now, Yep. Where is your acquisitions coming from? Are you guys still doing cold calling? Are you go back to the mail? Um, mail? Are you buying from other wholesalers? What's the acquisition look yep. like? So all of my acquisitions right now is buying from other wholesalers. Okay, got it. Yep. And got so it. because we've been wholesaling for, I mean, almost, I've been wholesaling now for almost 10 years. This this December will be 10 years. Um, I have one of the best buyers list in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. So we're back to our stomping grounds where we know everything best. Yeah. You know, who to call on what deal, when to call, how to what title company to give this file. Oh, it has this fire uh, uh, on the title. Let's send it to this title company because they handle yeah. that better than this mm-hmm. title company. Right. Just having all that expert the nuances. Yeah. Yep. Makes sense. I've, inside then- of my inside of my Cash Geeks business, I also mm-hmm. had a big JV department, mm-hmm. which is just getting other wholesalers deals. They bring they bring the deals to us. We sell the deal for them. Mm-hmm. Now that little department became my entire business. Entire business. Okay. Um, and so it's beautiful. I love it because we're doing business to business sales. We don't have to ask for business, mm-hmm. right? People call mm-hmm. us because we've just been doing this for so long. Sure. And I've done a lot sure. of online marketing. And we had that whole department for like two years, right? right? So we have consistent wholesalers that bring us deals. And as the market turned, we didn't really add as much value to wholesalers while the market was super hot, unless yeah. it was a hedge fund property. Yeah. Everybody knew like, ah, I can just yeah. sell this to anybody. Some but if I yeah. sell a hedge fund, I'll call cash geeks, right? When the market turned, now they need cash geeks. Now they mm-hmm. need us to sell their deals. And mm-hmm. so it took me until August of last year of me trying to figure out marketing to sure. just say, I'm just cutting it off because yeah. it's costing money and it's making money. Mm-hmm. But what I'm not doing is I'm not leveraging what I've built, built, right? I'm trying to do it like if I am starting from scratch and I'm not starting from scratch, right? Looking back, I'm so blessed and happy I did do that mm-hmm. because now with me flipping houses and I mean, in, in the last, literally since February 1, we, we decided we raised a ton of money. Um, we got strategic with raising money because last year we did about 20 flips, mm-hmm. 2023. Mm-hmm. And this year uh, we want to scale it and grow it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So February 1, we we went on a buying spree. So in two weeks, we've bought 10 houses. And it's because these are 40 grand deals, 40, 45K flip deals. And it's just because I can now contact the same wholesalers that I've been JVing with and be like, hey, why don't I just buy it? And instead so of as far as the flips, the yep. uh, the price range you're buying in in Jacksonville, obviously, yep. like Jacksonville to me is just looking at it from the outside. I don't know anything about it, but to me, it's a blue collar, white collar mix type of town, right? It's not like the sexy Miami and that kind of Correct. thing. No, it's no. everyday people, bread yep. and butter type of town. So, what's the price range you're trying to sell into, and then what are you trying to buy at? Great question. So, I we don't love exiting over three hundred and fifty thousand. So 350,000 ARV. Makes sense. We'll do it, but we have to be in the right area. Right. Yeah. So like the okay. Jack's Beach area, sure. high-end areas, we're mm-hmm. we're comfortable with it. There we still don't want to break 400. Yeah. Right? 450. Because that's but, not the meat of the market. That's not the sweet spot in the market, right? And this is important, guys, because a lot of times people are like, "Oh yeah, it's a million dollar house." Guys, money is in that sweet spot. Right? Those houses are harder to find because there's a lot of competition, but yep. they're the easiest to fix and they're easiest to dump because even with higher interest rate, you have the most amount of buyers in that price range. That's Correct. just what it is, right? So what for you, what is a good like turn time in terms of buy, rehab, and resale in terms of time frame? And how much profit generally do you try to shoot for after expenses? So after expenses, our bottom net profit is 30,000. That's what 30, we aim. Okay. Okay. 
after expenses, after hard money, after commissions, after all that. And turn time, five months is long. Five months is long. Yes. But we you guys don't have as many issues with permits and all that kind of stuff in your market as we do. Luckily, no. They have come up, right? Mm -hmm. So those are the ones that take long, five months, right? Sure. But luckily, we we have great contractors. We have great... um, We've kind of like partnered with flippers on our flipping side, right? Because understanding like how to scale flipping is not just, I have a great contractor, right? It's understanding like when to pull the permit, when to like, how do we, how do we make the flip the most efficient, right? Let's start do this. Let's do that. Um, And so we've partnered up with flippers in 2021, great flipper client of mine. We we were the guys that would that were selling that was finding the deals for all these local mom and pops, and sure. then we turned and started only selling deals to hedge funds. So yeah. all these flippers were like, "Yo, where's all the inventory?" Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so a good buddy of mine, who I had been selling flips to for a long time, he was like, "Man, I built up all these great crews, and I know the flipping process yeah. like inside and out, but I can't find any deals. Can you recommend my contracting services to any of your flippers?" Sure. And I was like, dude, I'm slowly starting to get into flips. Why don't you just do my flips? And that, I mean, since then, like he's done probably over 40 projects for us. And now we're partnering up and scaling it and growing it. And and so luckily we have that. But with scale, we are going to have to, we are budgeting now more whole time because we know we're, we're, when you're doing a low volume, just like we were just talking about, right? When we're doing low volume, it's a little bit easier to do things. Um, with more skilled volume, now we are going to uh, have to figure out m- long hold time. We're calculating longer hold time. Sure. We're not expecting it to kick in, but on our calculator, as you know, right, the yeah. calculator is everything, right? Yeah. You have to put everything inside the calculator, stress test the calculator, enhance the calculator, right? Our favorite thing is like, all right, we timestamp the calculator and we were going to make 45000 mm-hmm. but we only made thirty two. Right. Or we only made 28. What happened? Right. Yeah. Did we not budget closing costs? Did we not? Right. Um, Cause there's yeah. always those little things that come up yeah. that you don't yeah. factor. No, hundred percent. hundred percent. So today, how do you decide whether this is going to be a wholesale, this is going to be a flip or this is going to be uh, in the rental portfolio? Because uh, yep. I know we were talking about that, right? You're now thinking about, um, okay, how do I truly build cash flow for life? Right. Yes. So how are you doing that now? So right now, where we are determining, we're we're letting the area and okay. our profit margin determine where we want to flip, okay. right? Because there's a lot of blue collar areas where we don't, they're not the best flip markets. Okay. They're great for rentals. They're great okay. for wholesaling to landlords mm-hmm. and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, but we don't necessarily want to flip in those areas. And so a lot of those will wholesale out, right? Mm-hmm. And then the ones that, we um, flip if if it's too tight of a deal, because keep in mind, we're buying from wholesalers. So if it's too tight of a deal, we need to do what's best for the wholesaler because sure. we believe in that longevity of business. And mm-hmm. we know that if we get their deals long, you know, over time, we're going to buy flips from them anyway. Right. Sure. And so like on this deal, like it just happened yesterday where we went and looked at a house and our buy number is like 90 and they mm-hmm. have it for 99. Mm-hmm. We can probably wholesale it for like 110. So like it's in my best interest, like, hey, go renegotiate it and let's, you know what I mean? But we can wholesale it, make a quick buck. Mm-hmm. Awesome, right. And so as far as what's fitting into the uh, rental portfolio, to be honest, I don't have those guidelines just yet. Okay. Really what what I'm focusing on for the rental portfolio is going to be that mixture of Honestly, it's going back to your calculator. Like I still use your calculator till okay. this day. All right. Cool. Yes. Cool. Every time good, I good, use good. that because yeah. we don't want to get caught up into just buying cash flow, cash yeah. assets, because there's a lot yeah. of cheap houses in Jacksonville. Yeah. So it is tempting sometimes to just, oh, we can buy this for fifty thousand dollars cash. Let's just, you know, park the cash there and whatever. But those aren't always the best long term holds. Yeah. Right. And so we we're trying 100%. to figure that mixture of appreciating areas having equity in the deal. And that's why we love flipping because now it gives us that option, right? We're just wholesaling. We had to just feed the beast. Now that we're flipping it, as we're flipping it, there's one right now that we're flipping that we're like, okay, this could be the first one of our rental portfolio for this year, Mm -hmm. right? Like Now we're talking to a 
a lender on um, the DSCR rate for it, right? And because I haven't bought a rental in almost almost two years now, right? Mm-hmm. A year and a half. So I don't know what rates are today. You know, right. I knew what they were six months ago. So I'm, sure. I'm um, exploring those talks right now. So it's going to be a mixture of appreciating areas, cash flowing, and by us flipping, we now have a lot of burring ability. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, certain price points and stuff like that don't really make the burrs work. Burr, and yeah. so now we are uh, we're we're figuring out that that buy box for rentals. Yeah. But our but we do know that uh, tax wise, and one thing that I learned while all of my buddies were also feeling the impact of this market, I didn't have rentals that I could just sell to take care of me, mm-hmm. right? And while a lot of my my mentors and people who have been in this longer did have that, right? And they're like, hey, I'm feeling the hit, but I just sold a rental that I've owned for four years and I'm recouping 200K cash on it, right? Mm-hmm. And so not all of that's profit, but I'm recouping everything that I put in the house and I made an extra, you know, 100 grand. So now I have that 200K piece yeah. of mind where I didn't have that. And so going into this new venture of flipping and all that stuff, I'm realizing that I need to buy rentals, not just for the passive income and all that, but for that, who knows what's going to happen in two, three years from now. If I have a little, you know, portfolio of 20 houses, I can sell three and be fine for the year. You know what I mean? I can lose my entire business, lose everything, but I sell three and I'm good. Properties with huge amount of equity, huge amount of cash flow, it's the best security you can ever have. Yes. Right. And that I mean, is- we have a uh, we have a guy here, um, actually he's out of mastery, successful guy, runs a bunch of like breakfast places, right? Uh, oh, nice. Blueberry Hill. And, you know, his first thing when he came to mastery, my point to him was, I'm like, don't flip, just buy, buy, buy. He's like, Andrew, but what am I going to do with 30, 40 rentals? I'm like, you'll figure it out. You're a smart guy, right? Guess what happens? Corona hits. Yes. He's got 30 or 40 rentals where he's in it for 100, 120 properties worth 180. Boom. He starts boom, 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 boom. And he ended up li- li- uh, basically having to liquefy about 15 properties, right? Yeah. But that's like, he's like, man, I still have a tax problem. But I'm like, listen, you'd rather have that because restaurant business shut down, right? Correct. And, right. and that's where uh, that whole thing comes in is that rentals is the most boring thing you'll ever do with the real estate. But I, I mean, we've t- had this conversation, right? If you take care of real estate for the five, first five years, real estate will take care yes. of you for the rest of your life, uh, yes. literally. And that comes for rentals. But like, just like you now, the discipline of doing three, four, five flips have to do one rental. And you have to force yourself because you're like, man, you have to I can yourself. sell it, right? I can sell it, make 60, 70 grand on the property. And you're like, I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it, right? Uh, so. It's just a challenge. No, this has been yeah, yeah. an absolute, um, you know, amazing conversation because I wanted to have you on because the depth of the business, which is building it to that kind of scale, uh, where you're doing 300 transactions, for transactions, and then saying, no, let's optimize it. Let's become highly profitable. The goal should be profit. The yes. goal should not be is the number of transactions, right? Correct. Uh, Correct. And I've always been, uh, you know, because I was not never able to scale that high. And so my deal always was that, man, listen, this year, can I buy an extra 30 rentals? Next year, another 30 rentals. Next year, another 30 rentals. You know, And pretty soon, you know it, over a six, eight, 10-year period, you got three, 400 rentals that are phenomenal quality. Now, yeah. it doesn't matter. If the market goes up, you're happy because the rents go up. If the market collapses, you buy more rentals because nobody else can buy them. Right? So, <laughs> so it's one of those things. Yeah. So it took me that- a little bit. took me a little bit to understand that. Took me a little bit of growing up to do, yeah. you know what I Man, mean? As listen, well. I wish, Gonzalo, I genuinely wish I knew what you know today at 28. I bought my first property, rental property, when I was 35. Wow. Right? Uh, I mean, it just puts in perspective. That, no, I appreciate that. You know, I mean, I genuinely mean it that by the time you're 35, that's seven years, man. Yeah. Right. I mean, even if you bought six, eight rentals a year, forget about 2030, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Six. Six, eight good quality rentals. Man, that's 25, 30,000 a month net income. Yes. Right. And yeah. now anything else you do, because clearly you already have the ability, right? Yep. I mean, the operation that you ran 
it's much it's a much bigger operation than owning oh. a bunch of rental properties. So, you know, yes. it's definitely yeah. doable. So anything that I may have missed that you felt was important to cover? No, I feel I feel like one of the things that I did want to highlight though sure. is the unique spot of where I'm at is kind of going back to where you said you you sent a bunch of marketing. You wanted to keep all these deals, but how do you juggle that? Like I kept all of these, but now I need to make money. Like that is where I feel like I'm trying to position myself in, right? Mm -hmm. Where now I'm like, where can I make the most amount of money on this house? But at the same time, force myself to keep rentals, but still having the ability to, hey, if I need to pay my debt service, pay, you know, the office, pay this, hey, this month, I'm going to flip this one house, right? I'm going to wholesale this real quick. And so I feel like there is no perfect combination, right? But the ideal world is a little bit of wholesaling. You flip the whales, you yeah. keep some rentals. And by having that, you don't need to have that crazy no. of an operation to do that. You, don't. you know what you I mean? No, so it's, I you like can have a highly mean. profitable. I mean, that's exactly the kind of, I realized that, uh, that all these years I've been buying rentals, right? But when I scaled it to buying only A area rentals, I used to buy solid Bs, BB plus. Yep. And then I decided two years ago, I'm going to only buy A area rentals. But now you're buying expensive properties, yep. right? Uh, now you get solid tenants, 4000 a month yep. in rent, right? But yet now these you start buying the property at 250 300 That's your buy price, right? right? And it puts a big damper on your parade suddenly. Yep. And so like this year, I mean, I haven't done flips in a very long time, like any significant amount, this year, probably I'm going to end up doing 12, 14 flips, which for me is yeah. a lot, right? But yeah. that will bring in about uh, close to eight, nine hundred thousand. And it's not necessarily I'm taking that money home. I don't need, fortunately, to take the money home. But yet that gives you that liquidity, right? Yeah. Uh, so that you can keep buying, 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 you know, at a fast pace. And you yeah. need money to live on, right? A lot yeah. of times people will, they have a good job and they'll quit. And then they're like, well, real estate doesn't work. No, no, no. It works. You got to give it little time, right? Yeah. You're not going to suddenly go build an operation like what Gonzalo built out of scratch because it takes time. These things take time. So, oh man, this has been absolutely, absolutely awesome. Loved having you. Thank you so much again for making time. Um, and this has been awesome. So next time yeah. I'm in Florida, you know, I, I know I promised you and your wife a trip. So one of these days, we got to go, man. Let's you do know? it. Let's do it. Yeah. Man. I, I appreciate so, you having me on. I love having the, these talks. And um, thank you for, for yeah, the definitely. No, I mean, I think even a lot of our guys will get so much value because it's like, you know, it's that it's one thing when you're talking to somebody who's straight up. It's another thing when you're like, oh, my God, when you have to eat a little bit humble pie. And, yeah. and yeah. then you realize that if you've never been through that, Guess what? You've never been tested. Correct. Right? Character Correct. is built not Absolutely. when everything is going correctly, right? Character is built when you can look back and go, man, you know, I mean, I did a lot of things well. These were the improvements. Now I got to correct it. And that happens to all of us every time. Yeah. I tried to do your business. I got my butt handed to me. I mean, it's just God's honest truth because I understand cash flow, right? Right. <laughs> right. Understanding your business, I'm like, I'm spending money a month. Right. 20,000, yeah. 30,000 a month. I'm burning money. And all these leads are just going by the wayside. I mean, I write TV right. ads and everything. Finally, I realized I just give those leads to Blake. He can smart. make money on them. So because, smart. Because just because you That's can what do I'm TV doing well, now with my. Yeah. I mean, I have I have no acquisitions and I yeah. still get leads from my Internet. So I just yeah. give them to my best JV wholesalers. Yeah. They close them. Yeah. I, you know, obviously there's a little sure. bit more of a favorable split, but. Sure. I don't want to yeah. deal with the acquisitions. Give yeah. them to the wholesaler that has the system that's crushing yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 the no, smart. It, 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 yeah. it makes so much sense. Just because you're good on the phone doesn't mean you'll do good with leads from the internet. Doesn't mean you'll do good with TV leads because right. doesn't mean you'll go do with the mailings because each yeah. of these, you have to be a specialist in every yeah. single Absolutely. one of them. So Absolutely. no, man, this has been awesome, guys, for everybody listening. This is a guy that uh, you still do your podcast, right? Absolutely. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. So network. Gonzalo has a podcast. Uh, you always Dude, let's get you on there. Right? One of yeah, these yeah, yeah. Anytime. Yeah. Just let me know, man. Let yeah. me know whenever and we will arrange it. We'd love to uh, be on. And uh, so Gonzalo is somebody you want to follow. The great part about Gonzalo is that how transparent he is with not only with the success with what he built, because the business he built, he should be proud of. But 
say, hey, business changes, right? And this is the reality of the conversation that we just had. Again, please like and follow and please share with your friends. Hopefully you enjoyed the conversation. Gonzalo, my friend, thank you so much, buddy. Appreciate thank it. You. See you guys. Talk to you. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Cash Flow for Life podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on your chosen platform that you are listening to us on. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with your friends. Achieving financial freedom is all about creating the necessary cash flow in your life. Our team has designed an entire ecosystem for you to be able to not only become a successful real estate investor, but for you to build higher cash flows month after month. Join our community at www.nationalreinvest.com to see which event is coming up that you can be a part of and how you can be a part of our community. Once again, it's www.nationalreinvest.com. We will see you on the next episode.